0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from the Rock of Gainesville. All right. Thank you very much. We're going to get into the word. So if you have your Bibles or your smartphones, you can open to 1 John chapter 5. I did a little two-part message here last week. We talked about the favor of God and most of everybody in this room acknowledge that they love favor. Give you another chance. How many of you like favor in your life? Let me see. Uh, I'll take favor every day over a curse. And uh, I mentioned last week that um, e- either what I'm going to share today or last week, the truth of the matter is that the reason we have the favor of God is because we are experiencing the love of God. The love of God is the foundation for the favor of God, for the mercy of God, for the grace of God, the goodness of God, the kindness of God, the long-suffering of God. All of those things come about because of God's love. And I am convinced as much as ever that there are many people sitting in the house of God on Sundays in the church that truly do not fully um, understand how much God loves you. People live with a lot of guilt and shame and condemnation because of past sins. Is is there anybody perfect in the room? Anybody that's never sinned? We'd just like to see your hands so we can watch as you uh, ascend into heaven because obviously you shouldn't be here on earth uh, because we will mess you up uh, because most of us, all of us, have had uh, failures in our life. Most of us have had failures since we gave our heart to Jesus Christ. We've made mistakes, we've failed in areas, we've struggled in our walk, we've lost our passion, we've lost our, uh, our joy, we've, we've lost our, matter of fact, you know, the, the Scripture says that we need to return to our what? Our first love, not our first acknowledgement of favor or our first acknowledgement of grace or whatever, but literally to return to the love of God that radically changed your life. Religion did not change my life. I was born just about almost in the house of God. I was probably two weeks old when my mom took me to church and all the way up until uh, my probably into my teenage years when I had left home and uh, was living with uh, my sister and brother-in-law uh, we had a period of time where we didn't go to church. And it was literally the first time in my life that, that I had gone without being in church. And, and so from uh, birth until eight years of age, uh, I sat through children's church. I sat through Sunday school um, I loved all the stories of the Word of God. I love the stories of the Bible. Those of, uh, of you that are of my age know the old Sunday school teacher with with her flannel board and her flannel uh, little figures, and they would tell the story of David and Goliath, and he they would throw the the, the little drawing of the uh, of David up on the board, and then they'd have the giant, and then they'd have a stone and and a sling, and and man, those those Sunday school teachers, they were. Just anointed. I just, I loved a good story. And so, Sunday school was stories of uh, of the Word of God. But it wasn't until at eight years of age, sitting in adult church, having a a two-week revival as our church had every single Sunday. And uh, we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And two weeks out of every summer, we had revival uh, in our little Nazarene church. And and there was never an option about not going to church when I was a kid. Now, I know we live in a different generation today. Today, if one person's sick in the family, whole family's home. I mean, it's just, we live in a world of options. But I, I'm thankful for how I was raised. I, I'm thankful that, that there was a, a spark inside of me that loved the house of God. And when the psalmist said, I, there's no place I'd rather be than in the house of God, I, th- there, there is no place I ever go. There's no sporting event. And can I tell you, I've now lived long enough as a grandfather, I now go watch my grandkids play sports. And guess what? I'm just different than when I was as a father watching my son play. Now, I go sit and I pray for all the young dads in the house. (laughs) Woo! Man, the stuff that comes out of them. Same stuff that used to come out of me. My wife wouldn't even sit with me, Barbara would not sit with Ron. We were terrible examples. We've had to repent publicly. For the way we used, matter of fact, the other day I was sitting on the front row watching my grandson Wyatt play, and uh, one of the refs went by, precious uh, young lady, she actually used to own the uh, biscuits shop in Tioga, and now she's reffing. She sold her business and she's going to reffing. I was like, girl, what's wrong with you? And so she came by and, and the, the game before I'd seen her and we had chatted it up a little bit and hadn't seen each other in a while. So when she ran by me the other day, I waited till the whistle was blown and it was a timeout and I said, Hey girl, what's up? And she turned and smile, she said, You are so loud. <laughs> I said, Come on girl, I ain't loud, I'm just talking to you. <laughs> she was laughing, I was laughing, but when the game started and the yelling started, I don't yell anymore. And it's not that I'm so much more mature than Andrew and Juan. <laughs> I mean, I'm not calling names or anything. <laughs> but let's just call it what it is, right? And I, I listened to one wife say to her husband the week before, and I would never call out Christine and Sherman. But, but <laughs> Christine was like, uh, yeah, I'm not sitting by you. And boom, she's off. And there are a lot of other wives not sitting with their husbands because there's something about when your kid's playing. The ref never calls it right. <laughs> Today, I'm a lot more merciful on the refs. Matter of fact, I had to go explain to three of the moms uh, the other day before I left at halftime. Uh, I went up and they were just, smoke was coming out of their ears. They were just fuming. And, and, and we're talking about a fifth and sixth grade game here, okay? <laughs> When I was in fifth, sixth grade, we just like ran up and down the court. Our coach never stood up. We just had a coach because you needed an adult supervision, you know. There there was no fundamentals and coaching. We just, whoever had the ball shot it, you know. And we acted like we knew what defense was, but it was just run up and down. Today, fifth and sixth grade games are like it was when I was in high school. Man, the coach is yelling. They got plays. They got fundamental. They're they're doing full court press. And I'm like, they're in fifth and sixth grade getting ready for pros. But but there's some energy among those fans. And, And these three moms, they were quite upset because the ref had called a tech on our team. Because when you make a basket, you're not allowed to touch the ball after the ball goes through the net it's called a delay of game it goes all the way into the college and pros and so uh, the the ref had already warned the other team matter of fact the the ref ran down the court number eight number eight number eight and the kid from the other team turned around and and uh, the ref said you touch the ball again and call it a tech well it wasn't but a couple of plays down the other court our kid touched the ball after uh, m- Matter of fact. Uh, Mama Jess was videoing it, so she showed it to me three times. He literally was just protecting his head because the ball came down on top of his head. But he touched it and, boop, boop, tech. Other team, two shots. And man, these mamas were furious. I was like, are y'all sure you're not the dads? I mean, they were just smoke coming out of ears, and, I, and so I explained what happened to them. It didn't change anything. So there's all kinds of things that we're passionate about. But can I tell you, there should be nothing we're more passionate about than the house of God. Amen. About worshiping Jesus. About receiving a word. About being able to give a, 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 a good godly hug or embrace to your brothers and sisters. We need each other. We need the embrace of one another. We need to hug and love on one another. There's something that happens uh, when godly people Gather together in the house, not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and making a decision, man, I might be passionate about my kids and my girls dancing and this and that, uh, but there's going to be nothing that I show or give more of myself to than to the house of God and worshiping Jesus. Because you know what? One day, all you dads, hear me, you're going to be my age. And you're going to be sitting, if Jesus tarries and your kids have kids and they're playing sports, you're, you're going to realize there, there are some things just not worth the energy. But there are other things that are worth the energy. Man, it doesn't take away at all from being a, a, a crazy parent that just loves what your kids do. Now just don't, don't get deceived and think that no one's ever played as well as they do. <laughs> and don't believe the coach. When he tells you that your kid's got something man, nobody else ever had. Because that would be a lie. Because there's a whole lot of good basketball players and there's a whole lot of good soccer players. There's a whole lot of good dancers. There's a whole lot of good uh, kids in drama. There's a whole lot of smart kids. And man, all those things are important and you need to encourage your child, your son and daughter. You need to be there for them. You need to be their greatest support. You, but always bring the balance. Always. It's, it's something that Pastor Ron and I had to learn after our kids were growing up. <laughs> but all kidding aside, the love of God, there's just nothing like it. And as I, as I was thinking last week, even as I was ministering on the favor of God, the love of God is the very source of life because God so loved you first. God loved you first. The only reason you're sitting here today with a desire to worship God is because God loved you first. And that love, man, it just, it changes everything about our life. It doesn't make you more religious. I pray that your love for God and his love for you and the manifestation of that in your life just makes you want to love everybody. Just love everybody, even the unlovables, even the the moms who've been deceived today that are going to abort and murder a baby. Never, 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 never put yourself in a position of judgmental and hatred. You can hate the act of abortion. You can hate the act of murder because that's what it is. Taking another life. But man, most of those women are greatly deceived. Many of them think there's no hope. I can't support myself. How in the world am I going to support this child? We need to be there with the answers. Willing to take children and foster children and adopt children. But we've got to show the love of God. Can you say amen to that? I mean, we, we have to say, God, show us, reveal to us, help us to just allow that love. Because what will happen is that, well, I, I, I need to get in the Word. Let me read this Word to you because y'all are messing with me. Some of you just making me want to preach to you. 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. Hey, all, all you basketball dads, y'all still love me, right? I wasn't throwing you under the, the, the bus here. I've I, I been there, done that. And I'm just saying, there, there is just such a wonderful balance of being able to support your kids wholeheartedly. Make sure that you take them, bring them to the house of God. Make sure they see you not ashamed to worship God with the same energy that you shout for them on a basketball court. Amen? That is a good word. You got to love me because you can't get to heaven if you don't love your pastor. I think I read that somewhere in scripture. It's my interpretation. 1 John chapter 5, listen to this, everyone, say everyone, everyone Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God, hear me, and obey His commandments or His Word or His statutes. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments, listen to this, are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. I might come back in, in a couple of weeks and, and, and preach that, those two simple words, our faith. Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? On the earth. Do you realize there's nothing that the enemy will attack more than your faith? See, I'm not the only one going through a journey in this building today. Every person in this place is going through something. We're all, we all have our particular journeys. Maybe it's marriage. Maybe it's a, a rough marriage. Maybe it's a bad marriage. Maybe it's a bad relationship with your kids. Maybe, maybe you know, you're going through a real struggle with your children and they're, they're, they're testing you. They're, they're, they're trying to find out if you're really daddy and mommy or if they are. They're, they're pressing you to find out. Will you stand firm and strong and will you be righteous in all your decisions or will you let them rule the roost. Maybe you're going through something, you know, emotionally. Maybe you're going through something in your finances. Maybe it looks like you are about to lose everything. Everybody is going through something. The struggles of life, the battle. But our faith, our faith is what is under attack. The enemy will do anything he can to get you to lose your faith. Verse 5, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Verse 3 again says this, For this is the love of God. For this is what? We obey His Word. See, the love of God requires actions, requires decision-making, it, it requires an obedience to the fullness of all that he wants to do in your life. See, when I was eight years old and ran to an altar and gave my life to Jesus Christ and confessed all of my sins, I mean, the, the, those, those uh, men were standing around behind me and they, they weren't just wanting me to say I was a sinner, man. They were wanting me to confess my sins. And I had, I mean, I was eight years old. I had wicked sin. I, I had stolen bubble gum out of my mama's store. And I was deeply convicted that I was going to split hell wide open and burn for eternity over that bubble gum. And that was what was the conviction of my heart. So the Lord wasn't wanting me just to say I'm sorry. He was wanting me to make it right. I had to make it right, not only with the Lord, but I had to make it right with Mama. And I can tell you that when I made it right with Mama, There was something supernatural that took place in my life. The confessing of one sin, sometimes one to another, to those who have the maturity to handle your acknowledging. Why? Because there's something freeing. There's something freeing about confession. Suzanne and I right now, we found a new uh, TV series that we like she likes and I'm a good husband <laughs> no i mean it's growing on me it's called father brown and it's on uh, britbox <laughs> so you got to you got to apply for you got to apply for britbox it costs you 7 bucks a month or something and father brown is obviously a catholic priest and i've noticed in every single show, we just finished season two last night, and uh, in every show, there's a time in the show where Father Brown says to the person, there's a whole lot of murder going on in this little tiny town of whatever it's called. <laughs> I mean, it's like you got like eight, eight buildings. We've watched two, two whole seasons, and every show, somebody gets Whoop, whacked. <laughs> I'm like, man... They need Jesus in that city. I mean, that's a whole lot of people getting killed. And there's eight more seasons. I'm thinking, Lord, have mercy. How how many different ways can they kill somebody? But somewhere in the midst of every show, Father Brown confronts the person guilty and talks to them about their need. Because many of these that are Catholic, they're fearful that the sin they committed, murder, that they're going to split hell wide open. And they're going to live for eternity in hell. And Father Brown always brings around the confession of your sin and the acknowledge. And if you're truly, and it's very powerful, if you're truly repentant, God will forgive you. If you're confessing your sin just to get by with something, he acknowledges you won't be forgiven. God knows your heart. Come on, somebody. God knows your heart, my heart, and everybody in this room's heart. And there are times when all of us, when the Lord convicts us of something, we need to make it right. We need to go through the process of saying, because Jesus died on the cross for me, not only to save me, but even after salvation, when I mess up, that I have an attorney. A lawyer. I don't know if y'all remember when L. Clark and Fran moved here uh, six or seven years ago. uh, After about a year and a half, maybe two years, I invited L to preach while I was on a missions trip. And I'll never forget calling my wife uh, that afternoon after service and Suzanne saying, honey, oh my gosh, you got to hear L's message to our church because it was titled Jesus my attorney from a legal mind because L was a lawyer he was a pastor he was a lawyer he was he was just gifted and i've listened to that message probably 3 or 4 times and always from this amazing uh, brain that Al had in this mind and this understanding of law uh, and, and what that lawyer was doing, the, the, that who Jesus was in my life was the great attorney. That once you're saved and you mess up and you will mess up, some of you before you even get out of this building today. Some of us have to understand, we have to go back To our attorney, who's at the right hand of the Father doing what? Making intercession for you and me. The propitiation of our sins, man. He is the one who stands before Father and reminds Father that we are under His blood. Woo! At least six or seven of us got that. We're under His blood. We're forgiven. We're cleansed. But boy, there's something that happens when you repent and confess, that that confession brings freedom in your life. And we do that not out of a fear thing of God, but a reality that God so loved me that he made a place, he made a way, not only for my salvation, the atonement, the blood of Jesus, what Jesus did on his way to the cross, Allowing those soldiers to beat him and whip him and put a crown of thorns on his brow. The pain that, 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 that he was afflicted with was for what? So that we could be the healed of the Lord. Amen. The promises. Every day I thank God and I thank Jesus for being willing to go to the cross through the door of a beating, a whipping, a thrashing for my benefit. Every day when I confess the word over my life, I confess that by the stripes that Jesus bore, 1 Peter 2, 24, by his stripes, I'm already healed. Yeah, but pastor, you still got this battle you're going through. Yep, but the word says that I'm healed. I'm walking through the process of standing in faith, believing that the full manifestation of that healing is going to be manifested in my life. Why? Because that's the promise of God. I could go around saying, hey, yeah, I'm sick. I got cancer. I never tell anybody I got my cancer or it's my cancer or my cancer. No, no. I say, well, I'm walking through a battle because cancer is trying to afflict me and take me out. But I have been given a promise that even though I'm going through it, God said through his son, by the spirit of God, I'm going through this with you, through it with you meaning the door's open, I'm going through the door. I'm not standing in the place at the door. I'm going through. What what do you have need of today? Man, we take, by the love of God that's been manifested in our life, we take His Word. We guard that faith that's been entrusted to us. You do realize that if the Lord had not dropped that seed of faith in you, you would have no faith for it to grow, right? Right? Don't, don't run around thinking it's like you're super, per, you're super faith man. Right, right. No, no. That was a seed planted by God that enabled you, first of all, even to acknowledge that you're a sinner and need Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. And then once you receive Him, you begin to start walking because it's by His Word that what happens? Faith grows in your life. That seed has been planted in you. That's why it's so important that you are in the Word of God every day. That's why it's so important that you come out on Wednesday nights to family night, come with a heart that says, man, I need the Word of God because somebody in this house is teaching the Word. And if you will receive it, it causes faith to grow. It just, it just begins to happen. It just begins. It's like, you ever sat there and watched a seed that you planted in the ground waiting for it to come out? It's like, man... Is that thing ever going to bust through? And then you get, a, you know, a little impatient, so you leave, and about a week later, you come back by, and, and there's this sprout. And you go, wow. And you stand there a little while, and you don't see it growing, you don't see anything happening, changing. And then you leave again, you go take care of some business, you come back, and it's two feet high. And then it's four feet high, six feet high, and then all of a sudden, these corn stalks start coming out. That's kind of like what happens in you when your faith begins to take root and grow. It begins to manifest itself. And all of a sudden, something that you've been believing God for, all of a sudden, you now have faith to believe for it. Whatever it is, you're believing that you're going to step out And you're going to see the manifestation of that come to pass in your life. Can you say amen to that? Ephesians chapter 3, beginning with verse 14. For this reason, Paul said, he's writing to the church at Ephesus. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through what? Through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ. So powerful. Paul's encouraging the church at Ephesus to understand the fullness of God's love in their life. The knowledge of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through what? Throughout all generations forever and ever. The promises of God, the love of God, the goodness of God, the grace of God, the long suffering of God goes forever and ever. Being released in our life, why? So that we can touch someone. When we go out of this room in a little bit, my prayer for every single one of you, I don't care what you think your personality is or how timid you might think you are. Well, it's just, you know, I'm not outward, so, so I, I don't really know how to touch You realize there is a world of pe- people right here in Gainesville, red, yellow, black, and white, that need the good news that Jesus loves them. And you don't always plant that seed by meeting someone and just going, you do know God, right? Because if you don't, you're going to burn go to hell. That's not going to touch anybody's life. You let it come to you because sometimes you plant a seed, sometimes you water the seed, sometimes you actually get to bring in the harvest. Yesterday I had to run up to Publix for my daily run up to Publix because my wife needed a couple of things. The fire was going in the fireplace. Man, I've been sitting there in the Word, just having a good time. And, and, and now i got to throw on some shoes and run to Publix. And it's right. I know. I'm just such a great husband. It's just the Lord knows better. So I run to Publix, and I walk in. And as soon as I walk in, this precious, very pretty lady is walking towards me and she's got on a big t-shirt under her sweater. And it says, I love beignets and I can't help it. I was like, whoa, girl, you must be from New Orleans. And she broke out with this big smile and she just said, yes, I am. Are you? I said, no, because I had to practice real hard to say New Orleans, because in Florida you would say New Orleans. But I, I said, I'm married to a girl from downtown. One thing led to another. I asked her, are you living here now? Yeah, I just moved here. I'm in the tech business at the VA. I said, oh, the VA, we got people in our church. Oh, isn't it just, you just throw it in there, you know, just slip it in. We got some good folks in our church. She said, oh, where do you go to church? I said, oh, I just happened to pastor a church right down the street. I said, what's your name? She gave me her name. She said, what's your name? I give her my name. And I said, we'd love to have you come visit. And she said, I would love to come visit. So I don't know if she's here today, but is she not? I'm reeling her in. I believe somebody else in this house is going to run into her at the VA hospital. And when they start talking about the goodness of God, she's going to say, well, where do you go to church? And they're going to say, oh, I go to the Rock. And she's going to go, oh, I met... Oh, I met the pastor from the rock. You see, you don't always get the harvest. But don't miss planting the seed. Oh, that's good right there. That's worth your time today. <laughs> don't, don't miss planting the seed. Because you see, somebody else can't water that seed working next to that precious lady un- until the seed's in the ground. I don't know if she knows Jesus. She acted like she did. There are times when you get to bring in the harvest, you know why? Because somebody else planted the seed and watered the seed of God's love. We're gonna walk out of here in a couple of minutes. We need to be consumed with His love. Because it's not about religion. They do not need your religion. It just brings bondage in their life. I wish I had time to talk about the difference between the love of God and what the world calls love. Because everything that the world calls love is all about you getting something. And you know what's bad in marriage? Is when you marry someone thinking they're going to give you everything you have need of. Because they can't. Impossible even love, even your needs being met. God's the only one who never forsakes us. God's the only one who never fails us. God's the only one who can provide everything we have need of. And when I'm looking for anybody else to meet that need in me, I'm going to be deeply disappointed. Then pain sets in, then resentment sets in, And then arguments begin because you're waiting for that person to do what only God can do. His love never fails. And so as we get ready to walk out of this place, let us be full of the reality that nothing by any means, as Paul wrote to the church at Rome, can separate us from the love of God. Amen? Amen? Nothing can separate us from His love. There are some in this room today, there are some maybe watching online. Welcome those that have been watching online today. That maybe you have religion, maybe you've gone to church faithfully, but do you have a personal relationship with a loving God? first loved you. Man, does He love you. There are times when when I talk with folks and you just want to grab them and embrace them with the love of God because they are hurting and need that that only God can provide. Sometimes He uses you to touch someone's life in a way that will radically change them. So God first loved you. And now we're able to love him back. We're able to take that love, touch someone else's life with it. Would you just bow your head for just a moment? I want to give an opportunity for anyone in this room that doesn't know Jesus in that intimate kind of way where His love has changed your life. Maybe you're watching online today, and Holy Spirit is just reiterating to you how much He really does love you. Yeah, you're not perfect. Yeah, you made a lot of mistakes. Yeah, you have tried to do it your way. Yeah, all that stuff leads to emptiness. But His love will fulfill and radically change your life. This morning, I'd love the opportunity to lead you in a very simple prayer to invite Jesus, the lover of your soul, to be your Lord and your Savior. Maybe you actually even once walked with the Lord. But you got your eyes off of him and onto people in the church and leadership and something. And for whatever reason, you walked away. The Lord's been tugging at you. The Lord's been speaking to you. The Lord's been drawing you back. Today, great opportunity to receive His love once again. If that's you this morning in this place, as believers are praying, as all of us have prayed this prayer in faith, to start the journey of walking with the Father. If that's you today and you don't know Him as personal Lord and Savior, No one's looking around. It's just between you, me, and the Father. Just lift up your hand for a moment. Let me recognize it. Let me lead you in a prayer this morning. Yes, dear, God bless you. Yes, sir, God bless you. You can put it down once I say, yes, dear, God bless you. Jesus loves you so much. If you're watching online, we can't see your hand, but you can text or call our office. Let us know that you prayed this prayer that I'm going to lead you in in just a moment. What a great opportunity today to receive his love. Real quick, before we dismiss, that's you today. Greatest decision you ever make in your lifetime, I surrender to him. One more time, that you raise your hand if you didn't raise it. Let me lead you in a prayer. All right, amen. We're going to just all pray together. I'm going to invite the whole congregation to pray this prayer. With you three precious folks and anybody that's watching online. Pray this prayer. Pray it in faith. Surrender your life and your heart to the Lord today as you pray this prayer. Pray out loud with me. Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus, your son. You gave him to me. And he paid a great price so that I could know you, Father. So today, Jesus, I invite you into my heart. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner in need of you, Christ, my Savior. So today I receive by faith Jesus Christ to be my Lord, my Savior, my Redeemer my healer, my all in all. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross for me. Thank you, Father, also for the Holy Spirit. Thank you that he has brought me to this place where today I acknowledge you. You are the great I am. And so I thank you for my salvation. And I choose this day to serve you all the days of my life. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a praise for these this morning that responded. Amen, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.